Well, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and so I'm kind of curious as we get started, uh, how many of you in this room are hoping that the Rams win the Super Bowl? Uh, (laughs) Okay, how many of you here are hoping that the Patriots win the Super Bowl? Wow. I actually have members of my church who are rooting for the Patriots. That leaves me deflated. All right, now how many of you could care less who wins? You just want the snacks and the commercials. All right, yeah. All right, I'm in that group. It really has been a super Sunday, though. Wow, you came to sing this morning. And it's just amazing, though, to see you responding to the time when our, our shepherds have set aside to just pray with you and encourage you. Go find some members of the family you know need an arm wrapped around them. There's so much movement going on there. It just makes me smile every time I see that. Um, so good to see all of you who have participated in the service in any way, the scripture reading, the again, James sharing his communion thoughts. I love that. Um, Jesus, you did perfectly what we can hardly do. Love God and love neighbor. Uh, all of that's been super for me so far. But this is a super Sunday for another reason. It's a Sunday that our family has set aside because we're asking you to connect with our 2020 vision today. The last two weeks, on behalf of the leadership, I have shared some aiming points and I've shared some goals that our elders and our deacons have prayed over, given their input to, and their blessing to. But our next step has been to bring it to you, our family, and to ask this, is this a vision that connects with your heart and connects with your imagination? (laughs) Already got one amen, there we go. But I really want to know, do we need to go further? Is there something that you feel like the Spirit is leading you in that's not been mentioned in our vision, that's not been a part of our asking you to connect with that vision? If it is, we want to hear from you. And so we've included some space at the very bottom of our Connect papers. Uh, Those are out there at the Welcome Center, uh, along with our full 2020 vision. If you haven't had a copy of that yet, please pick up one of those. But we also want to know if there are some parts of our vision that you don't feel like fit the mission of Jesus. This is family time, because this has to be, listen to me clearly, our 2020 vision. It has to be. Today is the day that if this vision resonates with you, and if you're ready to commit to being a part of that, we're going to ask you to do just that. You've been given a connect form in the last couple of weekends that we've asked you just to pray over, not fill out, but just to see some of the needs that our local missions are desperately needing some help in, some heart in, some effort and energy in. And and we really are focusing just on our local missions right now because we're going to focus on our international missions a little bit later. But today we're moving from prayer to participation. I love the words that I heard a couple of years ago. Pray as if it all depended upon God, then work as if it all depended upon you. Now, if you don't think that that sounds very biblical, let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 10 through 11 from the Apostle Paul himself. By the grace of God, I am what I am. That sounds like all about God, right? And his grace was given to me, but not without effect. No, I worked harder than all the other apostles, all those other guys, yet not I, but the grace of God that's within me. Now, in the Jimmy Sportsman version, it would read something like this, God in me makes me extremely blessed, so therefore I will work extremely hard 
giving him all the glory all the time. Now, I don't know which version connects with you most, but I think that's what the Spirit is trying to say here. And so as an eldership, as a leadership, we want to hear from you. Do you feel led to join this mission of leading ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus? So many of you have already made the commitment and the time and the effort and the energy to serve in areas of our church that aren't out there in the foyer represented. In part because at the moment we're not aware of added assistance that you've asked for. I'm referring to the filling of quiet bags, the preparing of communion trays, the coordinating of funeral meals, the hosting of showers for those who are getting married and others who are having babies. The securing of our building, the managing the audio-visual upstairs, teaching our adult classes. Right now, we've got some pretty loaded volunteers in those areas. And on behalf of the leadership of this church, can I say this? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for serving in every single one of those areas. But there are areas represented in our foyer we need some help with. We feel like God is moving us in, in, as far as the staff in this church to move in these areas. And we need confirmation of that if truly you can be a part of that by saying, yeah, count me in. If not, some of those areas are going to go away because we realize we just don't have the, the volunteers. We don't have the, the underscoring of your hearts and your time and effort and energy to participate in those areas. And that's fine too. But today is the day we get to find out. This is, this is kind of research time as well as commitment time. After today's message, we're going to be given some time to look over some of those areas out there. And I'm asking you personally, please, before you run off to do anything else, every single one of you, please walk by those tables and see if God's leading you to connect with one of those areas. And here's why. We need you. Every single one of you in this church, we made a decision a couple years back that even our starting point classes, even there, we were going to welcome people into our church by saying, if you're looking to be a spectator, this may not be the church for you. Because we're going to be looking to help move you from where you are in Christ to somewhere down the road with Christ. And that's going to mean using your talents and abilities for Christ. And so right up front we say, you bring grace because we're going to give you grace and we're going to... Demand of your grace because uh, we can be a little stinkerish every now and then. Not quite living up to Christ like James said a few moments ago. And we're going to need your grace. But what we're also going to need is you. Because we're on a mission. We're on a very important mission that our Lord's given us. And we need your help to do that. And God makes it clear. This isn't just some sermon somebody's preaching. God says, this is my imperative to you. We don't do this without you. In the book of Acts, the church literally exploded in the midst of a cultural scene where there was political unrest, where the community outside of God's family seemed to have little interest in the things of God, and where even the people inside the family of God seemed to have little interest in the things of God. Sound familiar? Well, into that setting... Peter stood up one day, filled with the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, and publicly proclaimed how Jesus can make a difference in your life. And why his crucifixion on the cross brings forgiveness. And how God's Spirit first raised him from the dead, and then promised to move into any and everyone who pledges himself to this Lord. You know what happened? <laughs> to many who heard him, they turned from living for themselves 
They repented, if you want to use the biblical word. And they gave themselves to living for this resurrected rabbi from Nazareth because they believed him to be the very Son of God. And all heaven broke loose. Read about it in the book of Acts. I'm not making this up. Acts chapter 2 to be specifically. It was amazing. And the church exploded and began to grow, listen to me, daily. Daily. And it's not like God kept it a secret as to why. A doctor by the name of Luke made, a, made an effort to chronicle all that was going on to a friend of his by the name of Theophilus. And he said, you're not going to believe this. I hope you do, but I don't think you're going to believe this. This forgiven bunch of people, this filled with the Spirit bunch of people, you know what they were doing? All these believers in Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. All of them had a deep sense of awe. All of them, the apostles, watched the apostles perform many miraculous signs and wonders, and they all believed and met together in one place and shared everything they had. I'm telling you the truth. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who had a need. They worshiped together, not just in the temple each day, but they met in each other's homes for the Lord's Supper, and they had meals with great joy and generosity. The office, I'm telling you, it was amazing. They did all of this, praising God and enjoying even the goodwill of those who weren't Jesus' followers. And every day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Church, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And your elders are hoping you do too. Did you notice all the pronouns and the nouns in that particular section? All the believers devoted themselves. All came over them all. All the believers met together and shared everything. They sold their property and possessions and shared. They worshiped together and shared their meals. Not an I, not a my, not a you in any of that. One reason. Because together with the power of the Spirit, they were in this thing together. And Scripture reminds us, and I'm hoping to share with us this morning, folks, we are more than followers of Jesus or disciples of Christ individually. Ephesians 5.30 says this, we are parts of His body. Colossians 1.18 says, He is the head over the body, which is the church. Now, you don't have to have attended the University of Texas to understand body. You got one. You're living in one. And so these words that Paul's going to share about the body and, and how it ought to work together probably don't have to, to be thought about too deeply. But we've not been the body very well, have we? We don't know what to do with the parts sometimes in the body. As a matter of fact, we have disdain for people who aren't like us much of the time. Even in the body of Christ, the brain discounts the heart. Meaning those who are more academic in their bent of worship discount those who are more emotive or emotional in their bent. The hands criticize the knees. The people who are bent more towards doing criticize those who are bent more towards praying. The eyes refuse to partner with the feet. The visionaries don't seem to work well with those steady laborers in Christ. My, 
My, can we be tempted to disdain those who are not like us, even among the church. And because of that, we have often witnessed congregations that we've gathered with experiencing what could be called nothing less than mutiny on the body. Paul witnessed this early on in the church. It's not just a phenomenon because we're distant from the early church. He witnessed it right there when it was fresh and still wet in the cement. So Paul wrote this, church, look, the body's got many different parts, not just one. So if the foot says, look, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, (laughs) that does not make me any less a part of the body, period. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how'd you smell anything? <laughs> now, I don't know how you hear that. We've heard it quite often. But i got to believe the first time it was read in a church, there had to be some snickers going on. I mean, because I love the picture of this. What if the whole body were an eye? How would you hear? Now, I know most of you think of me as a mouth, all right? But for a moment, can you just try to envision, look up here, everybody, look up here and envision me as one big eyeball. Is that not nuts? How in the world would I take a shower? I would have no hands to turn the water on. How would I eat? I wouldn't have a mouth to put it in or hands to put it in with. It's just silly to think that that there's just one part that this body needs. And it's just silly to think that there's just one part that this body needs. We need all of you. Every single, strange, needed, essential, not like me part. Or we're just not who Christ wants us to be or could be. We need each other. And not just on a congregational basis, not just the Kerrville Church of Christ, but on the body of Christ basis. The mega churches need the small churches. The liberal churches need the conservative churches. The highbrow churches need the emotive churches. We need every part of it. Cooperation is more than a good idea. Listen to me, church. It's a command. Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 3, You make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When you say yes to Jesus Christ here in this baptistry, you become a part of the family whether you like it or not. And the Spirit knits you into our hearts Only you can begin to work your way out because he puts you in immediately. Sister, you can't read the New Testament and miss that unity matters to God. Jesus himself said this, there's one flock and there's one shepherd. How many flocks? Everybody together, how many flocks? How many shepherds? So he asks us to be one because there's one flock and there's one shepherd. Could it be that the lack of that having meaning in our hearts has caused the lack of our significance out there? I think that's what Jesus was trying to say, trying to pray in John chapter 17 when he says, Oh God, if you could grant any last wish, would you please help them to be one so that the world might know that you sent me and it mattered. So regardless of who wins the Super Bowl today, I'm going to be a prophet here. I bet somebody mentions the importance of team on television. I don't know if it's going to be the MVP who helps give credit to everybody who helped him get there or the coach, or, or who, but it was a team effort you're going to hear. 
And we know it's true. From the front office down to the trainers in the locker room, to the coaches, to the men on the practice squad, to the starters, to the scouts, to those who've even been injured and are on injured reserve for the whole season. It's all about team. So much so, in the NFL, they limit your team to 53 members. But you know what? If that team wins the Super Bowl, they give 150 rings to that team. Because even Roger Goodell knows to succeed at this game takes everybody. But God demonstrated that from the very beginning, didn't he? When he made us in the first place, he clearly said to the one man he created, the one human being's brother, you need some help. And so he made a teammate like no other. So team's a good thing. Even Jesus reinforced this when he said, when two of my people get together on anything at all and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure I'll be there. Why? Because he'll be shocked to find it. It's hard to find us agreeing, right? I mean, even in a marriage, it's tough. Add some, some chitlins along with that. It gets tougher. Add that family to a church, it gets tougher. Add that church to a community, it gets tougher. Add that community to a state and to a nation, it gets tougher. You see every single day on the news how difficult it is for humans to get along. And so God says, I'm going to help a group of people do it. I'm not just going to ask them to. I'm going to empower them to through the power of the Holy Spirit by first forgiving them for every sin in their life and then moving in to help them live that life and share it with others. And he called it ecclesia, the church, a gathering of Jesus' followers, a body of Christ. And when we come together, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, incredible things happen. And when we don't, it gets pretty bad. And it makes the Lord sad. And those who suffer the most, though, are the ones out there suffering right now and the ones in here suffering right now. That's who suffer the most. The ones the Lord needs to rescue, hear me, through us. So I'm just going to say this. The Jerusalem church found a way to work together, and so can we. They found common ground in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They found common ground in the simple mission of loving God and loving their neighbor and living life to the full. And so we're beginning to see the power of what unity can bring. We saw it just yesterday. It's incredible. Go ahead and put up the sign, guys. Yesterday, we broke ground with the Impact Church for the building of house number 112. Is that not awesome? Yay, God! Next slide. There's our stunning connections minister connecting with two families. Those two families are finishing up their 250 hours of required service to qualify for a home. It's going to go down between one of those families, the Garay family or the Ortegon family. One of them's going to get the house we're building, and the other will get the next one. Next slide. That's one of our elders, Donnie, with one of our World War II veterans, Ken Rich. They're there on the ground breaking, and you can see that they're talking about something. You're not going to believe what they're talking about. They were talking about, next slide, 
how big their preacher's mouth is. Can you believe that? And I asked them to stop, but they wouldn't. But life is still good. I'm telling you, when you, when you take him seriously about this unity thing, now, we're not just trying to do that out there with other bodies of Christ. We're trying our best to do that here. And we can't be one without you. We can't. So how is God asking you to get involved in this 2020 vision, church? What parts is he calling you to serve with? Is it first to join our Nemail team? Out there right next to the Home Depot sign, you're going to see a chance. For some of you who are kind of behind-the-scenes people, maybe your, your life is full of some other things, other ways in which you're serving, but you go, you know, I always pray, and I could add one more thing to it. Would you add this? It's what Paul asked for the church at Colossae to pray for. We're asking as a leadership for you to pray for this entire church that God may open a door for our message so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ. That's what we're hoping. In everything we're doing, from VBS to look who's coming to dinner to Home Depot to Global Leadership Summit, we're trying to create opportunities where God will take us to people who need Him to open a door for us to share how His story has wrecked our story for the good. And so we're asking some to come together just as a team for one primary purpose, to pray. Just put your name up on that list and you'll get started. Number two, we need your help to welcome people. When they come to this place, we want to make sure that forget Chick-fil-A, forget Walmart. You want to talk about getting greeted. When you go to the Kerrville Church of Christ, they'll greet your socks off. We want them to know when they hit that parking lot, you matter. From the time that car hits that parking lot till they come in the door, till they walk by that welcome center, there might actually be someone there with a smile on their face saying, we're glad you're here. And we want to hand out bulletins or we want to get them directed to the restrooms or their classes because this is a kind of a crazy place to figure out where do you go in and what do you do next. So we're taking dead aim at raising the bar and just how we say hello to people. What's he stirring in your heart? To finally take that mission trip with the teens you've been always wanting to do, you know you've been wanting to do that. To serve as an expedition leader in our Summit Kids classes, they're just six weeks long. You heard me straight. They're just six weeks. You can get in, bless, and get out in six weeks. You can help with the Sprouts. It's a new name for our youngest kids. You can help in our nursery, the tiniest of our leaders. I need to hit the pause button here because this is important. If you help in any of our ministries with kids or young people, that's going to require a background check. And here's why. We are absolutely serious about taking care of our children. We're going to do everything we possibly can. And you know, those background checks don't cover everything, but they cover some things. And so we're asking you to please be patient with us if we ask you to take care of one. No matter if you've done it at the school system or wherever, for our own liability here, we have to have you take one for us. So please be willing to do that. Let me ask it again. Where's God moving you to serve? How's he asking you to connect with this family? If you enjoy working with teens, Ricky's got a table full of opportunities out there. If you've been meaning to open up your home to bless present members of the Kerrville Church of Christ and potential members of possibly the Lord's Church, we're asking you to take two days out of the year, 365 of them. Will you take two days out of the year? We're looking for 200 families who will say yes. And invite one of the present members of this family into your home and then invite one potential member of this family into your home. Two days out of the year. Would you do that? We're looking for 200 families to do that. What's required of you to be a part of any of that? That and all the other things that are out there. 
two things. Here they are. A grateful heart and a willing spirit. That's all? <laughs> That's a lot. We realize that. A grateful heart for all that God has done in your life and then a willing spirit to say, what could you do with me? Because you see, we realize Satan's not going to sit still for any of you to do any of it. This is a war. He does not want God to succeed. He doesn't want you in God's heaven and he doesn't want them in God's heaven. He just soon them all go to hell with him. He really does. And so he's going to be working night and day to keep you off your knees and praying. He's going to be working night and day to keep you out of serving with the teens or in the nursery or, or wherever. He wants you to just sit home and watch some more TV. That's what he wants you to do. Or play video games. Or, or play another round of golf. Instead of making a difference in somebody else's life who doesn't know Jesus Christ yet. And he's good at it. Look around. One more thing that's necessary besides just a, a grateful heart and a willing spirit is being willing not to be thanked for what you do. Because sometimes we don't make it around to you. Present company included. So many of you serve without a thank you. And I just want to say to the pew packers who make sure we have all that stuff in front of us that we always need, to the people who wash the baptistry gowns when someone is brought into Christ, when someone makes sure the baptistry is ready night or day, when you light up our parking lot so that it can be used day or night, when you mow grass, trim trees, open and secure the building, those of you who teach in our children's church, thank you to you. We're loving the quiet in here. All of that gets done by servants who don't have to have a thank you, but I'm giving it to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But when we miss it, please know this, God doesn't. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, the Bible says, For God's not unjust. He will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Now, he encourages our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain what you hope for will come true. Wait a minute. I thought, I thought what I hope for, this salvation in Christ, is all dependent upon him. It is. But you know what? If there's not an attitude of gratitude, Satan will just work you away and work you away and work you away and work you away till you don't care anything about that salvation stuff anymore. And part of the way that you stay close to Christ is you keep serving in Christ. You keep giving yourself away just like Christ did. Some of you don't need to thank you because the love of Christ compels you. Good on you. Good on you. May your tribe increase because he so graced your life. You just can't help but want to grace somebody else's. We want to grow all of us up to thinking like that, to believing like that. And when you get to the point where you don't care if someone thanks you or not, you know what happens? It's not just that you're doing an act of service. You've become a servant. That's who Jesus was. Dave Stone preaches for the Southeast Christian Church in Kentucky, and I'll close with this. Two missionaries called him about a year ago. They had just spent some time in prison, again, for living out their faith in a heavily Muslim area where they serve. I can't even mention where they serve because it's got to be kept secret. I won't even mention their names, so let's just call them James and Calvin for a moment, okay? James and Calvin own a restaurant as a connection point to the community they're trying to reach for the lost in the Muslim world. They're more than owners, they're co-workers because their staff is 100% Muslim. 
Well, James and Calvin were taken to prison for breaking a law. They've been under surveillance for quite some time, and their actions had been documented. And you need to know what their crime was, though. In the area where they run their businesses, it is against the law for owners to help out their employees. And the reason is because that would be beneath their class system of what an owner should do and what their paid employees should do. But these two men were observed washing dishes, busting tables. As a matter of fact, the evidence was submitted that they would do almost anything their paid employees did. And so the authorities arrested them. They took away their passports for a couple of days, but through a strange series of events that only could be connected to prayer, the charges were dropped. They were released, and they were given back their passports. But i got to tell you what the charge was, officially, that was levied against them in court. Here it is. Two words. Servant leadership. That's what they went to jail for. Servant leadership. Which caused me to pull this story out of my files because it begs the question, in your neighborhood... And on your team, and in your office, and in your cottage, if you were charged with servant leadership, would there be enough evidence to convict? In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, Jesus says, if you want to be known as a great servant, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to humble yourself. The greatest among you are going to have to be your servants, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'm going to tell you the truth. I want to be remembered as a great servant. That's not because I've done awesome, amazing, stupendous things. No, I really don't care whether you think I'm a great servant. I want him to know I'm a great servant. And that means getting on my knees just like Jesus did right before he left this planet. He said, guys, let me show you what I've been meaning all of these years. And he got on his knees and took some towels and a basin of water and he got on the ground and he, he grabbed their feet, stinking, nasty, dirty, covered feet, and he washed them and he said when he was done, that's what I've been after. If I, your master, wash your feet, shouldn't you wash each other's? This is the example that I'm leaving you, that you love each other as I have loved you. Bob Goff says, planning to love people is different than just loving people. It's easier to make plans than to make time. Whoa, amen? <laughs> it's easier to make plans than to make time. If this is you, here's how you fix it. Make love your plan. Super Bowl Sunday is a day when the game plan is going to be talked about a lot. Trust me, if you go turn it on now, probably the Super Bowl something is going to be on. And they'll be talking about all kinds of game plans. Well, we have our own Super Sunday here today. Made no bones about that. We've left you time to go out and peruse some of those tables. You no doubt have seen some of them already. But here's what we're asking. What's your place in the puzzle? How do you connect with this vision? It is not our vision if you don't connect with it. It's just something the church is talking about. It's just one more sermon, one more thing we did up there at that religious place. No, you become a part of this body by saying, count me in.
You see, the best team's already won. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they've already won. And they're inviting you to come celebrate life with them. And you know how? By serving. That's what they do for each other. And that's what they're asking us to do for each other in the world. I say game on. What do you say? Let's stand, church.